Hey everyone, for this episode of Strictly Hoop Talk, I got my man Young Simba of YouTube returning to the podcast to talk the Eastern Conference playoff race. Now, on the last podcast I did with Jeff of Full Sports Press, I had him on to discuss the James Harden trade rumors along with player empowerment, the Russell Westbrook trade to Washington, and how Washington and Atlanta are in that race for the bottom of the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Now, it's going to be interesting because if you look at the Eastern Conference real quickly, one through seven, again, Orlando was the eighth seed, but one through seven in no particular order was Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Miami, Philly, Indiana. And uh, what's the team I'm forgetting? Brooklyn, sorry, Brooklyn. So obviously Brooklyn's going to be a lot better with KD and Kyrie. Uh, all of those teams didn't necessarily have an offseason that will that will demand too much of a drop-off. Now, again, that's one of the things we talk about in this podcast is who got better and who got worse of those teams. But you expect all those teams to be in the playoffs unless something absolutely horrible goes wrong for them this season. And so we break down this tier of seven teams in, into kind of sub-tiers, and we look at what would be a successful season for each team, what would be a failure for each team. And there's a lot of overlap, which is what makes the East, to me, the more interesting con conferences here. Not because it's better, the West is much better, but the East has a lot of high stakes and there's a lot of ramifications for the future of the Eastern Conference. Does Philly blow it up if this Ben Simmons-Joel Embiid pairing doesn't work this year? How long does the KD-Kyrie pairing work if, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't end up happening this year? They don't end up winning a championship. Could, could we see that move in the next year or two years? What to expect with all of these teams? Of course, Giannis just signed the Supermax, so you're assuming that Milwaukee will be Milwaukee for quite some time. But, you know, players can always demand trades too. So we get into all of this stuff and the idea of the, the huge ramifications that come with the Eastern Conference. Uh, it's going to be a very fun, it's going to be a very fun season for the East. Now, for the Western Conference, I will be doing the same thing. I will be looking at the bottom of the playoff race for the West, and then I will be looking at the top of the playoff race for the West in two separate podcasts to kind of get a, a full-scope preview of the NBA as we enter. I would have liked to continue to do my annual Divisions podcast preview, but it would have been the third time in literally a year that I was doing those podcasts, so I didn't want to do them because I felt like that was too much of the same format uh, because we did it before the season started we did it before the bubble again and then to do it a third time I think would have just been a lot and would have been too simple so of course those people are friends of the podcast they'll be on throughout the season to to discuss their teams and other teams around the league but um, I just wanted to give you something new for the season preview which is now you know we're literally almost a week away from the NBA season starting so it's going to be a very fun season. I'm very excited. Again, stay tuned for the Western Conference stuff. That will probably happen either later in the week or early next week at the latest. If you don't, please follow me on the social medias, Twitter and Instagram, at RealChrisPlatty, C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. I know you know how to spell real. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And once again, shout out to Young Simba for coming on the podcast again. This was a really fun breakdown of the Eastern Conference Stay tuned. Got a lot more coming after this podcast, including some hip-hop end-of-the-year stuff, uh, some YouTube stuff, and some, of course, Western Conference playoff stuff coming next week.
Hello everyone, welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host Chris Platty. I returned to the podcast, he gave me such good content last time that you know I had to bring him back. My man, the 2K Messiah Simba, how you doing man? I'm doing great, how about you? Do, I'm doing good, I'm, do, I'm doing better than you when we talked about off air with, the, with that knee pain. Boy do I empathize with that. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're gonna get better hopefully. Yeah, man. yeah. Man. Shouldn't affect your streaming though for two K. <laughs> yeah, definitely should not. <laughs> All right. So this is the so last time we talked. We talked about uh, just teams that interested us, and a few of these teams that we talked about are going to come back up. I did my last podcast with my man Jeff of Full Sports Press, and we broke down um, the James Harden trade rumors, the Russell Westbrook trade, and then the Lower East playoffs. So now. I want to get into that that top tier of the East playoffs, the one through six, which you and I kind of talked about on our last pod. How it how it seems like the 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 tier of six teams is really six or seven teams is really uh, is really where where the title contention lies. So for for this being said, we'll start with who got better, who got worse. We're talking Milwaukee, Toronto, Miami, Boston. Philly, Indiana, and Brooklyn. So those seven teams. And the interesting thing about this is is they they seem like just levels above the the potential eight seed teams um, that are that are Atlanta, that are Washington. So this is where this is where it gets interesting, and this is where I think that most people expect all seven of these teams to to remain in the playoffs. Uh, but I'll I'll start we'll start with the optimistic side, Simba. So. Who do you think of these seven teams got better over this offseason? Um, I think Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, and Miami got better. Uh, if I had to pick teams that I think will move up in the standings, or I guess Milwaukee can't move up, but the other teams, I think they all got better. Okay, okay. So, uh, see, I had I had a few of those teams. So I had Philly because I, their roster makes more sense. They have better coaching. Um, the Bucks, I have, you know, Giannis, I imagine will still improve because despite how good he is already, he is still, he is still technically speaking, um, young and developing and could not be at the peak of his powers yet. The holiday pickup, I think will help a, a lot. Miami, I could see maybe a slip off with Drogic, but they have the Tyler Heroes, the Kendrick Nuns, um, another year of Jimmy Butler in the system, bam. So I think enough improves around them to where they'll they'll be relatively the same, if not slightly better than they were last year. And Indiana was my, well, the Nets obviously too, because they now have KD and Kyrie after having partially Kyrie last year and, and no KD. But Indiana, I also put down too, because... Oladipo was bad last year. You know, he was coming back from his injury, and I I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to be better. I think people are underrating Victor Oladipo for that fact. I think that when you go through these bigger injuries, like uh like a, a kneecap injury, I think that those are the ones that take time to get you back to 100%. It's not when you it, you can rehab for as long as you want. You can rehab for a year, a year and a half, but until you get those NBA game repetitions back under your belt, I don't, uh, I don't think that you that you get back to where you need to be. And so I think that for Oladipo, this season is going to be the one where he, where where he comes back and he's going to be a lot better. He might not be as good as he was before the injury, but 
I think he's gonna I think he's gonna be a lot better than people think, and I think people are underrating him. Did you have Indiana as one of your teams that got better? Uh, me personally, I think that Indiana got better, but when it comes to like standings or winning games, I think they'll still be like a four or five seed, like they have been the past few years, just because the other teams are that much better, I guess. Yeah, and and that's true too, because I know a lot of people last year were surprised by how well Indiana was holding it together without Oladipo. So I could I I could see I could see it makes sense to me that we could see a little bit of um, maybe not maybe not traction loss, but not a lot of traction gain. But I do think that in the long run, when I'm phrasing these questions of better or worse, I, I think of the playoffs. And so I'm thinking that by that time, what Victor Oladipo has, what's not a full season, but uh, but a majority of a season under his belt and um, the, the team making the additions that they made uh, last year with, with TJ Warren as well, I think all of that's going to come to fruition. And I think they're going to be a better team. I know a lot of people are looking at them as that team that could slip out of the playoffs or slip maybe not out of the playoffs but out of this tier of seven teams, but I don't see it. I think I think Indiana got got better, but it was marginally. So who for you of these seven teams got worse in these? Uh so I think Toronto and Boston are the two mm-hmm. obvious teams that got worse to me. I mean Toronto they lost Ibaka and Gasol. Boston, Gordon Hayward is going to be tough to make up those 20, I believe, like six and six. Or I'm, I'm not really sure what he averaged, but I know he was averaging a good 20 points. And I feel like they had opportunities to get better. Toronto, someone always steps up. So maybe OG's that guy this year or yeah. Norman Powell, he improves even more. But I think those two teams could see a slip in the standings this year. Yeah. And I, and I think also those two teams in particular because those are my only two teams that got worse as well of these seven and I think that though most of the mostly that comes with the playoffs right like I think of with Boston losing Hayward I think of Milwaukee losing Brogdon right they were able to get through the season by patching together minutes of Pat Connington Giannis improving a little bit of, a little bit more George Hill a little bit more Bledsoe and you were able to basically replicate what Brogdon did in the regular season but come playoff time you saw that they needed that extra ball handler that extra that extra kind of shot creator that can initiate the offense when um what when the Heat were were walling up on Giannis so I think that's what the Hayward loss will be for Boston but I could see a world in which it's a very mitigated loss because if we look at Boston at the end of the year, you had Kemba not healthy on, on basically playing on one knee. You have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who are two young guys who have taken a lot of steps forward, especially last season. Um, so maybe they're near what their peak is, but they are so young that I imagine that both of them could get better. So if both of them go up yet another level, I think that combined with a healthy Kemba can kind of replace most of what Hayward brought you. Um, so I, I feel like there's a, there's an outcome where Boston could be okay with it. And I do like the Thompson pickup to be uh, to be a, a, a center that can a more traditional center that could just help them on the boards and, and and do some of the things that Tice isn't necessarily as good at. I like Tice as a as a role player, but um, but not as really a, a starting center. And plus, remember they have the trade exception from the Gordon Hayward trade, so I expect them at the at the deadline to maybe try to use that because trade ex, uh, trade exceptions expire 
one year after they're acquired, so that would mean that they would have to use it before the start of next season. So I, I feel like I feel like with, with Hayworth they, they have some options with that trade exception to move and maybe pick up a pick up somebody with, with a higher salary at the deadline. Um, Toronto, like you said, losing the, the front court depth of Abaca and Gasol is uh, is tough, but they have a lot of good talent and guard play we've seen has been a huge indicator of success in the regular season. I mean, just having Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Fleet, like you said, Norman Powell, um, and I think Pascal Siakam having a rough bubble. I think people kind of kind of forget about him or kind of are looking at him differently. But I think he's a young guy who should improve. And he had some injuries last year during the season. So if he's healthy for a full season, I could see this team being uh, relatively what it was. But but uh, I I think that when it comes playoff time, Toronto and Boston will be will be a little bit worse and the, and they might be first round teams depending on who they get matched up with. Where where do you where do you feel like with Boston and Toronto particularly when it comes to playoffs? You think you think that they're going to be uh one of the teams that's more that that's more susceptible to losing in the first round cuz both these teams made it to deep in the playoffs last year. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's always going to come down to matchups, but compared to the rest of the East when it comes to Toronto, I don't really see them beating any of the other teams. Maybe I'm just sleeping on them, mm-hmm. but I, I just don't see them beating any of, of the other six teams. And then for Boston, if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can keep developing, Marcus Smart was great in the playoffs for the yeah. most part. Kemba Walker, if he can get healthy, I still think they're going to be tough when it comes to the playoffs because the top of their rotation is still very stacked in my yes. opinion. Yeah, very elite. And when you have three people who could create on the level that Kemba, Jalen, and Tatum can create, you're always going to be able to win a series just because that's a lot of offensive shot creation. And in the playoffs, when things get dicey and your and your normal play actions don't work because teams get to study your film, you need those people that can break out of the system and just do their own thing and get you a bucket when there's eight seconds left on the shot clock and you're played in and you're played in work and you have Jason Tatum, you have Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown has so been become even better at, at that than I thought he would. So having three of those type of options are are huge for the playoffs, which is why I, I agree with you. But we kind of talked about we kind of talked about the idea, and I at least I brought up with the trade exception of Boston potentially making some moves at the deadline. And what I've heard from people that I've listened to, like Woj and stuff, is that due to this year with a lot of teams not making money through ticket sale revenues because of the, the, the pandemic, he expects that a lot of teams will be more eager to sell their their, their assets rather than, rather than just uh, keep them. Like a lot of teams will be quote unquote sellers at the trade deadline rather than buyers. Mm-hmm. So it could actually, it could actually lead to um, a lot of, a lot of trades at the trade deadline. And, and a, a lot of these teams, all seven of these teams really could improve at the trade deadline. But I'm wondering to you, if you're Simba, whoever, whoever we say it is, let's say it's uh say it's Toronto who is the six or seventh seat, whoever are the six or seven of this group, the bottom of this tier, do you think at the trade deadline that they would that they would potentially become sellers or do you think that they would become active buyers to try to improve rather than rather than kind of 
not necessarily bottom out, but but make some make some trades and maybe get some more future assets. Um, I think it really depends on which teams would be down there. Also, like the discrepancy between like the seeding, because I know like with the West this year, like the second seed and the seventh seed going towards the trade deadline was pretty close. Yeah. Uh, but like I'll just use my Pacers as an example. Like if we're sitting at that seventh seed, I think that they're gonna start selling because yeah. like Miles Turner, he was on the trade block. Like, and if they're at the seven seed, that means it's clearly not working between him and Sabonis. So at that point, you start selling. And yeah, it really depends on which teams would be there. Yeah, that that's how I feel, particularly about the Pacers. So I'm glad you brought them up and, and the Miles Turner thing, because you're right. They were actively shopping him. Um, of course, they were they were very active in the pursuit of Gordon Hayward in the offseason. And so I think that the Pacers would be more likely to sell um, Toronto, another, like I said, obvious candidate if things do go wrong. Uh, but especially the Pacers, because I know that they have a history and a narrative around them of being a team that doesn't necessarily like to pay the highest payroll. They're, they always they like to be a good team. They like to be a playoff team. And they would love to be a championship team, just like all 30 franchises. But from what I gather from the outside is that ownership doesn't necessarily like a high payroll and has been kind of hesitant to commit to a high payroll. And so I could see that when you're staring that Miles Turner contract in the face, along with Sabonis, along with a potential Victor Oladipo re-signing that you could, that, that the Pacers could say, you know what, this isn't working and maybe not sell them for, you know, just a, a future first, but maybe just move in for, for cheaper contracts to, to to main to maintain a level of quality play, I, I think that Indiana or Toronto, I, I don't think either of them would would fire sale and and try to just because there's too much gap between them and and I think the rest of the East, and they wouldn't fall out of the playoffs, so there would be no point in just having a fire sale and getting rid of everybody. But I can't see Indiana and Toronto maybe moving one or two expendable pieces that will make them a little a little. A little shorter this year than uh that but set them up future for the long term yeah 100 percent. and especially uh with the pacers i'm pretty sure like i'm i personally think that victor oladipo he's gonna not come back to what he was but he's gonna be close and they're gonna end up having to max him so someone has to go at that point also aaron holiday his contract extension uh I, his rookie deal is gonna be coming up i think in a year or two and he's a key part of that offense. And, yeah, I, I think Miles or someone's going to have to go. One of the two bigs. I, I'm not going to say Sabonis, but if Miles comes out playing great in the new offense, I think one of them is going to end up getting traded sooner than later. Right, because, you know, it, it's not always a foregone conclusion that you don't trade the better player. Like, if Sabonis is the better player than Turner like he was last year, it's not necessarily a given that you don't trade Sabonis because, again, the better player might will get you a better package, ideally. So maybe what Sabonis gets you is worth keeping Turner versus selling Turner for uh, for what gets you a less package than what Sabonis would get you. And, and those are the type of things that front offices have to figure out, but you're absolutely right with the Victor Oladipo contract looming, uh, that, that, that there are some heavy decisions coming up for Indiana. So let's 
let's go to the idea of the what is a success and a failure for each team. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with defining the successes of each team or the failures? Um, I guess we can do successes first. Right. Let's start off optimistic. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So for me, I wrote down, I wrote down for each team I wrote. So for the Bucks, I think it's finals or bust. I think they got to not, not only make the Eastern Conference finals, I think they got break the Eastern Conference finals this year. Miami, surprisingly, I have them lower. I think if they're, if they're, if they're a good second round team within a shot of, of making the conference finals, I don't think that. I think that they're disappointed for sure, but I wouldn't consider it. I wouldn't consider it uh, anywhere near a failure. Boston, again, if they get to the second round for me, that that's that's good because they did lose Gordon Hayward. Philly, a competitive second round team or better would be a success. The Nets, I have as I think they have to make the conference finals or bust with K- KD and Kyrie, which again it's a lot to ask because it's a new team with a new coach with two. Two new stars learning to play together for the first time. Um, there's a lot of ex, but there's a lot of expectations with Brooklyn, and I feel like that organization would look at the season as a failure if they don't reach at least the conference finals. Indiana, I think if they if they just get to the second round or they finish above the sixth seed in the East, I think that that's a good season for them. And Toronto, I feel the same way, which as we kind of talked about throughout this podcast, we kind of are aligned in the thinking that we see. Indiana and Toronto, uh, relatively, relatively the same as far as far as where they could potentially end up. So, real, real quickly, give me your, uh, give me your successes for each team and where you think where you think they would have to reach to for them to be considered a successful season. Uh, yeah, I, I really I agreed with you on basically everything. Like Bucks, they have to make the finals. Nets, mm-hmm. conference finals. Raptors, I think if they're a tough out in the first round, but their players keep developing, like Norman Powell and OG, they become like better players. I think that's a success for them. Celtics, Heat, second round exits, maybe even conference finals for them too. That would be nice. Uh, Pacers, if they they got to get out the first round. Uh, there's no excuses anymore, in my opinion. And then uh, Philly, also with like the Celtics and Heat, I think they should be. Tough second round exits or conference finals. That that would be a success. Okay. Now, see, this is the interesting part, of, and this is why I outlined the podcast like this because when we're getting into when you're looking at defining what each team would consider a success and a failure, obviously not all of these teams can reach a second round or better. These yeah. teams are going to get matched up against each other. Um, there's going to be some a, a couple of these matchups that could happen. The three and the six seed. The um the four and the five those are first round matchups which means one of those two team or two of these seven teams are going to lose in the first round which would be uh which would be quote unquote a failure because like like I said like I said I have all of these teams is looking at they're at least looking at the second round or or like you said with Toronto maybe if they're competitive in the first round but their young players develop that's a good season for them so. This is why the East is very exciting to me this year because I think if we get to the playoffs and all of these teams are healthy and all of these teams are looking like what we think they look like, it's going to be very interesting if Miami plays Philly in the first round at, at a four-five matchup and you're looking at and you're looking at Philly who has had Joel Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons 
and hasn't gotten to the conference finals yet. And you're looking at Miami, a team who was in the finals literally a year ago, less than a year ago at that point. One of those teams is going home and they're going home way earlier than they expected. Or say, you know, or say Brooklyn, which Kyrie and KD looked great in their in their preseason game last night. But in reality, if they're, you know, if they're resting throughout the season and they have a new coach and they're learning to get together, they're going to go through some rough patches. Maybe they end up as a sixth seed and they got to play a, a, a Miami in the first round or a Boston in the first round. And what happens, what happens there? I mean, those are, those are two teams that Boston was in the conference finals last year. And, and the Nets are, like we, like we said, a team that's got to, got to reach the conference finals to be considered a success. So I think there's a lot at stake because I think a lot of these teams, particularly Philly, you know, they're, they're linked to James Harden and all that. And so I think that some of these teams could make drastic moves if things flail out, right? If they don't work, if Indiana gets just absolutely knocked in the first round by whoever they face, then I think they're going to look at why are we, why are we going to pay Victor a max? And why are we going to keep Miles Turner? And I think some drastic changes could happen there. Philly, of course, like I said, if they lose in the, in the first round or, or they get, or they get dominated, excuse me, if they get dominated in the second round, I could see them uh, wanting to shake things up. So there's a lot to be said. Milwaukee, of course, not reaching the conference finals or even the NBA finals. Um, I think that there would be a lot of frustration and, and tension in that organization as well. So there's a lot at stake for this this season and what could and what could potentially have long-term implications for these teams because this could shift the dynamic um the the power dynamic in the eastern conference for who the contenders are for the next couple years yeah 100 percent. like there's just so much at stake i mean like you said the nets if they don't make the conference finals that's a big failure with all the talent on that roster Giannis is going to be a free agent it doesn't look like he's signing the Supermax right now. So if they don't make the finals, I could definitely see him leaving. And, yeah, it's, it's going to be crazy all over the East. And three teams got to go home out of these seven in the first round. Yeah, and that's just the that's just the ugly, ugly truth. So, okay, we're looking forward. Let's, let's go to the season, which is now just somehow a week away when in, when in reality we felt like we just – had the NBA Finals, but we're a week away from the season now. So, let me get your official predictions for the Eastern Conference. Who makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and who makes it to the Finals? Who are the two teams left in the East, and which team represents the East in the NBA Finals this year? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the obvious ones, just because I, I feel like they're just that much better than every other team at the moment. And Bucks making the finals, and then they're going to beat the Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals. I just feel like Kevin Durant puts you over the top compared to the other teams, and then I just love that Bucks team so much. I think they're they're finals bound. Yeah, I think I think that's where I'm leaning right now. I actually don't know if I'm ready to pick Milwaukee over Brooklyn, despite all the issues that I have with Brooklyn. It just, man, that that trust with Milwaukee—it's gonna take a lot. That trust has been fractured with me, you know. To see a team that good just kind of flail out the way they have in the playoffs the last two years in a row, uh, really keeping the same coach—I mean, I think that's a very a very bold strategy. 
And I think that it's something that we have to we have to really really look at when it comes to Milwaukee in the playoffs is if their style of basketball can actually win in the playoffs. So I like the upgrades that they made to their roster. I love the Holiday pickup, but uh, but Brooklyn, you know, they have their question marks too. But I just it's hard for me to trust Milwaukee right now. But I think for the for the third year in a row, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna trust Milwaukee to get out of the East and and represent the finals. I I think I'm I think I'm with you there. Yeah, I just I think with Holiday, it just puts them over the top. Brooklyn, they have to number one stay get healthy or stay healthy, and like they they don't have the chemistry yet. I mean, I know Holiday's a new addition, but Kyrie and KD they played one game together now. I just feel like it's going to take time with every new team. Usually it takes like a year yeah. for them to get like to where they need to be. So right now I'm going to have to stick with Milwaukee. Yeah. And listen, if we're getting the Drew Holiday that we got the last time that man was in the playoffs, when oh, he yeah. when he absolutely bodied Dame Lillard, that was unbelievable. If we get that, if we get that Drew Holiday, yeah, Milwaukee's getting out the East. That's for sure. <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. Um, okay, so of the of the other teams, uh, you know, I, I I think that Milwaukee and Brooklyn are the are the clear favorites to represent the East. But if you had to pick one of the other teams, the the Toronto, Miami, Boston, Philly, Indiana, who would you give as the best shot to kind of crack that uh, kind of crack that Milwaukee Brooklyn little sub tier that that they have? I would have to go with Boston just because they have the most like talent i guess out of the other teams maybe not even that but they have the most like shot creators mm-hmm. and i feel like when it comes to the playoffs that's always like the most important thing who can get you a bucket at the end of the day and they got three guys who are certified that can do that so that would have to be my third team well that's not a bad team if i had to pick i would roll with miami just because i i really like what they did last year and i don't think it was a fluke of the bubble I really think that they're as good as they as good as they were last year. I think they, but I do also think in in the same sense that they benefited from an East that was fractured and wide open. So I, I will be curious to see what Miami does this year. But I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt as a team that can that can crack it again. And who knows? I mean, they've been linked to the James Harden thing as well. So I mean, who knows? This whole podcast could become irrelevant because Philly or, or Miami could trade for James Harden, and and then we got to rethink the entire Eastern Conference standings and playoff race. Yeah, if, if either of those teams get James Harden, that's my that's my new pick right there. Yeah, because I just I think James Harden's that good. He's yeah. he gets disrespected too much, in my opinion. Yeah, man. And and personally, I'm right now. I'm rooted for him to go to Miami because we all hear the stories about how Miami's the no nonsense culture, mm-hmm. and I, I I would love to see James go in an environment like that. I mean, can you imagine Jimmy Butler just on his ass every day in practice? Yeah, and then yeah. he has like those lockdown defenders, like Jimmy and yeah. Bam next to him too. That would just be crazy. Yeah, that would be that would be really fun, but. All right, Simba, thank you. It's going to be a very fun NBA season. I wish you the best in our upcoming fantasy draft, which is less than a week away. You excited? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready to take home the, the crown, I guess. Okay, okay. You've been doing any mock drafts, anything, any preparation or not? Nah? Uh, no, nah, I haven't. I had my other draft uh, yesterday, and I think I did pretty well. But I, I, I think I'll be able to get some good sleepers in there. 
Uh, we're we're going to see. We're going to have you on the podcast again um, after the draft when the season starts. We'll be we'll be talking that. And then, of course, you know, one one day, one time, one moment, you're definitely going to be making your debut on the hip hop side of the podcast. Yeah, 100 percent. All right. Thank you, Simba. That's once again the 2K Messiah. I have a link to his YouTube channel and his socials in the description of this podcast. Once again, I want to thank you, man, for coming on the podcast. And uh, I, I truly appreciate the content you give me and the content that you that you give others through your through your platforms. Uh, you're really dope at what you do. Thank you for having me. Thank you, man. I'll see you soon. All right, you too.